Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. We're going to begin our time this morning. Our, our journey has lasted us. Do you remember back in March when Billy and Dylan Providen led us in the Ash Wednesday service? Forty days ago, we started this Lenten journey down this pathway towards the cross at Good Friday, where Ben Barnhart led us to the foot of the cross, and we, we then were silent yesterday on Holy Saturday. The earth, in fact, stood still, and here we are in glorious resurrection. Resurrection Sunday, the morning of Jesus raising from the grave and conquering death once and for all. And so it's been a long and perilous journey that we've taken together, but we've made it to hope. We've made it here to Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, and we've been calling the series Living Hope and looking at the book of 1 Peter. So what I wanted to do this morning is take a moment and just be still before God. To be still in awe and wonder. I'm going to read a scripture for us from 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. And then we're just going to be still together. And I wonder what would happen if we just were still together and we just, as natural as could be, we just let the resurrected life of Jesus start welling up within us as we read the truth of scripture together. So we're going we're gonna to take a couple minutes together and just be still before God. Because he has things that he wants to speak to you. You know, I could speak... Um, I could give a great message this morning. We had great worship, but you know, what we've come here for is not great worship or a great sermon. We've come to hear the voice of God. We've come to experience the presence of Jesus, that God would speak to us. So let's take a moment and just be still. From 1 Peter, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Let's take a moment and just be still at the empty tomb. well up within us, God. Your resurrected life, we well up within us, God. We love you. You did it, Jesus. We love you. Amen. God, we love you. We praise you this morning. Let praise rise from the depth of your being. Let it rise. Can we clap for Jesus this morning that he did it? You may want to say he is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen. You conquer death in the grave because you love us, Lord. Love wins at the end. Death, you do not have the final say. Love wins. Amen. 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 Love wins this morning is what we celebrate. Hope is the outcome of the resurrection of Jesus. Everything that has been created, everything that has been hinges on the reality and the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. Our hope is 
depend on the resurrection of Jesus. And it would be, it would be a huge disservice for me to stand before you and try to define resurrection. We need to experience. Resurrection is something we need to experience in our lives and in our, in our hearts, in our communities. And it's big enough, the hope of the resurrection of Jesus for entire communities and in our entire world. And today is the time we've, we've danced a little, we've clapped a little, we may have shed a few tears over the course of the weekend as Jesus goes to the cross and the world is silent. But today, if there's a day to start new things, it's today. If there's a day to laugh until your sides split, it's today. That's my hope. That's my wish for you, Vineyard Cleveland, is that as you're gathered around the honey baked ham this afternoon, that you would just roll on the floor with laughter because a new thing has started in the person of Jesus. And that resurrection wasn't just something in a capsule of time 2,000 years ago. That's for today. Our lives are being transformed and shaped and, and shifted to look more like the resurrected life of Jesus. So if there's ever a time to tell jokes, it's today. And it's actually a little bit early. If you're familiar with the Greek Orthodox Church, you'll know that the Monday after Easter is synonymous with telling jokes. In the Greek Orthodox Church, they set aside a whole day, Easter Monday, just to sit around and tell one another jokes. Why? Because in the resurrection, we find and they believe that the greatest cosmic joke that God could have ever played was played on Satan, hell, in the grave. We thought it was going to end one way, but God said, gotcha, three, two, one, raise from the grave, and Jesus is alive. So death and all of his foes, you can just go to hell where you belong. Amen? So pop some champagne and party today. Start a new business, write a song, write some poetry, do something you've never done before because today is the day that new beginnings happen. Today is Resurrection Sunday. There's hope in today. There's hope and healing in today for you. God's hope has your name written all over it. That's what we say at Vineyard Cleveland. Hope is deeply personal and God's hope has your name written all over it. It's the greatest turn of events that the world has ever known that films try to mimic over and over again. We saw in C.S. Lewis's direct analogy of Jesus raising from the grave, the stone table cracking in two, the witch not understanding the deeper magic that Aslan would come back to life from the dead. We see it in Batman in the Dark Knight Rises trilogy. Harry Potter is a straight ripoff of the gospel. <laughs> J.K. Rowling's amazing, but she's got nothing on Jesus. That's where the story is patterned after. Some would even say that Thanos in the snap, in the undoing. Resurrection is everywhere in Hollywood in the films, just mimicking the greatest story ever told, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Why? Why? Why is that? Because each one of us deep down feels that the world is not as it should be, that the world is broken and we are in desperate need in something. I'll tell you what we don't need this morning. We don't need more false hope. We don't need more false hope. You know, the self-help mantra of if you, if you dream it, you can do it. If you just believe it, you're going to see it. We need something real that we can sink our teeth into. 
something substantial that will last us through the torrent and the current of life. The hope we need is found in one and one place alone, in the person of Jesus. So it's time to laugh a little bit. It's time to tell some jokes. Hey, what do you call an alligator detective? An investigator. You guys up for some corny jokes? I'm totally making a fool out of myself this morning. I don't even care what y'all think. Why do people say break a leg when you go on a stage? Hey, you guys have heard these before. Swine flu? I don't want to tell a joke about swine flu. What kind of... Oh, here we go. What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Ground beef. A good one. Anybody else got one? Why are, why are there gates around cemeteries? Because people are dying to get in. Why? Oh, that's terrible. Why shouldn't you write... Why shouldn't you write with a broken pen? Why shouldn't you write with a broken pen? Because it's pointless. These are ridiculous. Why did the scarecrow win an award? He was outstanding. You've heard this one before, Jason. Because he was outstanding in his field. Okay. All right. Enough with the corny jokes. Okay, I'm done. My name's Eben. I'll be here all week. Bring your friends. All right. My gosh. There's one I was going to tell about a dead duck and a cat skin, but I don't think it would go over too well. So let's just move on. Okay. I'm a storyteller, and I would be amiss if we didn't read the story together. And I pray that as we read the story of the resurrection of Jesus, that hope would well up in our hearts today, that something fresh would be on the scripture for us. This is the living word of God. This is the testimony of the good news for us today, not just in first century Israel, but here today in Cleveland, Ohio, in Parma Heights. So if you have your Bible and you wanted to turn there or swipe there with me on your phone, let's read the story of the resurrection of Jesus. When Sabbath was over, in Mark 16, when Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, They were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. Who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. The resurrection of Jesus, providing hope for you, for me, 
for individuals. What we see in the passage in the story of the resurrection of Jesus is that there's hope for individuals. You can say there's hope for me. There's hope for me in this story, in this reality of Jesus rising from the dead. And it's interesting what Mary and Salome come to do. On the morning of Jesus' resurrection, the women set out early before the sunrise. And doesn't it feel really epic in the telling of the story that Mark had to include this little phrase before the sunrise? It feels like more than just the sun rising on any other day. This feels epic. This feels huge. This feels like it's not just the sunrise, but it's a new day for humanity, for men and women, because God's hope has your name written all over it. It's a new day. The sun is rising. Mary and the women go to the tomb, just memorializing what you and I and people through the millennia have always done. They've brought spices. They've brought perfume. They've come to memorialize death. This is what we know. If you have a heartbeat inside of you, you know that life begets death and so on and so forth. That life always ends in death. And so Mary and Salome are just coming to lay flowers on dead remains. But there's a surprise in store for them. And on their way to the tomb, Mary asks the question that many of us are asking this morning in different areas of our lives. Isn't this a very poignant question that Mary asks? Mary asks, who will roll away the stone. Who will roll away the stone? Now this stone in the tomb, it's, it's uh, well documented that this is not just some little pebble. It's a massive stone. It's set in a two-foot groove in the ground. It's nearly impossible for any one person to roll away. They need to get in there. They need to memorialize death. They need to lay flowers on dead remains. They need to clean the mummy, so to speak. Who will roll away the stone? Many of us ask this question every day in different areas of our lives. Who will roll away the stone of addiction? Who will roll away the stone of the sting of relationships that hurt? At different points in our journey, we feel helpless sometimes like Mary and Salome. We don't have the power. We don't have the resource. We don't have the strength to roll away those stones in our own lives. At different points of confidence, we may feel like we do have the strength to roll away the stone, which is also weakness. Because we know deep down, we can't do it. We can't roll away the stone. We need somebody bigger than us. We need somebody more powerful than us, someone with limitless resource, because we're finite and we're limited. When it comes to addiction, when it comes to um, painful relationships, when it comes to the sting of death, it's an impossibility. You know, I was walking our dog the other day, just before sunrise, and I was thinking a lot about death. You say, that's really great. Super positive. Let's, <laughs> that's what you think about at like seven in the morning. And I just thought about just the impossibility that is the resurrection of Jesus. 
You know, death is this mystery, and no one really knows what happens on the other side of it, if we're honest with one another. Because no one's ever come back from the dead. Think about the billions of people that have gone before, that have passed away from us. And not one of them has come back to say, these are the four things that you really need to pay attention to for the afterlife. For a successful afterlife, check A, B, C, and D. Nobody save the person of Jesus. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you that truth. But I go and makes, he makes this promise to us. The one person, there's nine billion people on the planet just right now. Think of all the billions that have gone before. The brilliance of God, the genius of God, that one came back. One came back. And the way in which that happens is not just the coming back. It's not just that Jesus is alive, right? It's that Jesus has risen. To put it, to put it in context of the clip from Narnia that we saw, it's not that Aslan just came back to life, right? It's not just that Aslan is alive again. It's, it's the reality that Aslan says to the girls when he says there was a deeper magic that the witch interpreted incorrectly. That's the resurrection of Jesus. The twist of events that Jesus just didn't come back to say, hey, I'm alive now. You have eternity with me. He came back so that death would start working in reverse. That, that sin long ago that Adam committed in the garden by eating the fruit would slowly become unrotted and unbitten by the teeth of humanity. Can, can you see the apple being unbitten? Can we see death itself being worked in reverse? It's like one of those um, film editing things, tricks that they pull on videos where you see like, they go and they say, well, let's take a look at that again, like that, and then they go in reverse. This is the resurrection of Jesus and to say that Jesus isn't just alive, Jesus is risen and that one day all death will be removed. We can't even fathom it. We can't get our heads and our hearts around it because it's all we know especially after the past two years that we've been through together. Yes, family, we've known a lot of pain. We've known a lot of death. And so the hope this morning is not just that Jesus is alive. It's that the stones in your life can be rolled away in the person of Jesus because he's working death in reverse. Because you know all of those things the pain of addiction, sins that we commit, sins of commission, sins of omission, the way that we treat people, they're all tentacles of the same thing. You realize that, right? And the main enemy is not the addiction. The main enemy is death. The main enemy is death. The main enemy... <laughs> the main enemy is death. That's who Christ summons when he comes forth from the grave. He says, no, nah, I'm going to deal with all you little tentacles later, but I want the main deal. You come forth now, and we'll deal with you right now. And so when Jesus raises from the grave, he's working even death 
in reverse. It's a beautiful, brilliant plan. It's the plan and heart of God for each one of us. God's hope has your name written all over it. Ben Barnhart and I are really, we love Ephesians 2 verse 10. And Paul says that you are the workmanship of God. You are the poema. The Greek word is poema. You are the poetry of God. The signature of God is inscribed in your life. And so each one of us, through the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, he's putting death in reverse in our lives because you're the poema of God. Each one of us has the signature of God inscribed in our lives. And so each one of us, to him, is worth saving, is worth working this into our lives, this hope, this resurrection life. Hope for individuals. Well, Mary and Salome get to the tomb, and they get there first, don't they? What a beautiful thing, men and women, this morning, who hope lands on first. In those days, as women, 50% of the population were oppressed, and today in our world, as well, that the gospel, hope lands on women first. Sorry, guys. It ain't up to us. But Jesus, in his manifold wisdom, God, in his eternal perspective, says it's women who hope land on first. And I just think that's worth noting this morning, and I think that's worth celebrating today as well. It's worth celebrating because women play a key role in the kingdom of God. That's what God is saying as Mary and Salome head to the empty tomb. And so could we be surprised by hope this morning as we look at verse 4 through 6? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? Could we be surprised this morning? Hope is always surprising. And to say that Mary and Salome were surprised is an understatement, vastly. They were freaking out. They were freaking out. It's very calm in your Bible translation that they were alarmed. Oh no, the cookies are burnt. No. They're like, what is going on? What is going on? This guy who they love, their friend, who they did life with for three years and watched perform miracles and saw Lazarus come out of the tomb as a prophetic stance of what Jesus would, Jesus would do. He was dead. He was under the ground, six feet, cold, stone, dead. They were freaking out. They were freaking out. This is something that was so far, you know, on the other side of the cross and the resurrection, and that's very smart. 21st 
28th century Americans that we are, we, we like to think, of course people rise from the dead. Of course Jesus has risen from the dead. Everyone knows that. No, not the case. If you would have said to a first century Jew, hey, dead people can live again, and Jesus has risen from the dead, they've been like, Mm-mm, no, that doesn't happen. When you die, there's a finality in that, and it's over. It's done with. And so this would have come from left field. This would have been like, what is going on? He's not here. And then to see the angel in the tomb and say he's risen, just like he said he would, he's not here anymore. Other translations say that the angel said, why on earth are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Why are you here? (laughs) Why are you here? So the challenge in it for us this morning is to be surprised by hope. Hope is surprising. And I'm praying that we would each experience that as we go about this Easter Sunday and throughout our weeks and days together, that we would be surprised by hope. That amidst the trial, amidst the suffering, amidst the pain, amidst the hard stuff, you know, of life, amidst the the toughness of what it means to parent kids, to see a relative walk away from Christ, to see someone struggle with addiction, to see, um, to, to grieve, to deal with loss and what that means for each one of us, that amidst all of this, could we be surprised by hope? Could we let hope kind of trickle into our hearts and be surprised by that today? that all is not lost, and all shall be well. In the end, all shall be well. And there's hope for us this morning. There's also hope for communities. In verse 7, we read, But go tell the disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. There's a commission here to introduce hope to anyone and everyone who had the same question as Mary did. How many of you know people in your families, in your circles that you're hanging out with, people in your community, people in Parma Heights, people in Brook Park, people in Old Brooklyn, people in Brexville, people in Brunswick, a lot of B cities around, people in Berea, people everywhere have the same question that Mary did. Even those people down in Columbus, they're asking that question too. Who will roll away the stone? And so we see the angel commission here that hope isn't just for us. Hope is for entire communities, for families, for our nation, for the nations. Jesus is called the hope of nations. Not just America, not just young people, not just old people, not just white people, not just black people. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus' hope has everyone's name written on it. Jesus is the hope of nations. And so there's a commissioning here right off the bat that hope isn't just for us. Yes, we receive it. But hope can't be kept in a vacuum. Hope can't be locked up in our closet. Hope can't stay silent. Hope can't be tucked underneath of the rug. Hope needs to come out. Hope needs to spread to anywhere the enemies of hope are lurking. And so what the scripture is saying here in commissioning 
the disciples, starting with the women, is that you and I are to go to every area of society. We go to business. We go to the arts. We go to technology. And we say that Jesus reigns there. Anywhere hopelessness lurks, we say Jesus reigns here. There's a new story that we want to introduce to society. And that story is that death doesn't have the final word, that hope can come from even a place like Cleveland, right? That's the story that we're in. That the story isn't that there was this town once upon a time, long ago, by a, a great lake that just, that just rotted and rusted, and the people, you know, they just passed away into, like, imagination. That's not the story of Cleveland, You know, so many folks out there talk about Cleveland like it's so final. Like, oh yeah, all the jobs left in the area and then those people, blah, 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 blah. Vineyard Cleveland, we're here to introduce a new story to the city of Cleveland. That it's not going to end like that. And it doesn't hinge on a a basketball player coming back into town and lifting the city, right? It's because Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. And Jesus reigns here in Cleveland. A rising Jesus for a rising Cleveland. That even here, and especially here, that's where hope lands. So hope for individuals, hope for communities. And lastly, I want to remind us and encourage us with this. Before we get out of here, before we go around the honey-baked ham, I want to say this, that hope is not just something some, some... small group of people experienced 2,000 years ago. But that hope is ongoing. Hope is a movement of people, a steady movement of people. It doesn't just come as a sudden burst, but it's ongoing. Hope is continuous. It's a direction. It's a movement. And so Jesus gathers all of the hearts that are awakened by hope, and he commissions them before he ascends into heaven to go and preach the gospel to all nations, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that death doesn't have the final say. A lot of times there's a lot of baggage with that word or that phrase good news or the word the gospel. And if we were to finish the phrase, it's not just the word gospel. What Jesus meant is the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus' rule and reign. The surprising turn of events that death doesn't have the final say, but that life does. And resurrection is possible, even though it might not feel like it. That's what, all, that's what that little phrase, good news, means. All of that, that resurrection is possible, and hope is ongoing. Hope is ongoing. You know, one of my favorite authors, um, Frederick Buchner, said that the, to paraphrase, that the worst thing is not the last thing. The worst thing is not the last thing. And what he meant by that was that through Good Friday, as Jesus hung on the cross and bled and died for the forgiveness of our sins, that that was the worst thing 
But it wasn't the last thing. The last word is hope, and the last word is resurrection.